And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it is Thursday, second best day of the week. And Michael Ebooks will be joining me this morning to talk a little bit about the AI revolution and the, the potential of what's going to happen to jobs and then how that impacts profit margins. Interesting article out uh, last night talking about this specifically. Thought it kind of overlooked one major point about how all this eventually works out. We'll get into that this morning. Uh, news to this morning, of course, uh, moving markets, two things really. One is, as we've been talking about for a while, you know, the debt ceiling is not an issue. And as we've always said, it's going to get resolved. But there's been a lot of headlines and concerns and Janet Yellen out talking about default on the debt. Senior citizens aren't going to get payment, which is absolutely not true. 1995 law changed that, so senior citizens always get paid. But nonetheless, all the media rhetoric, you know, has certainly weighed on markets as of late. Yesterday, both Biden and McCarthy came out and said, nope, the debt's going to get paid. Don't you worry about that. We'll get a debt ceiling done. Of course, that lifted markets yesterday, and we're right to the top of this trading range that we've been in for a while. This morning, Walmart reporting earnings better than expected, coming in at $152 billion versus $148 billion on revenue. Much better than expected there. This follows on the heels of Target yesterday, uh, suggesting that both the retail and the consumer remains well intact. These companies are doing uh, fine in terms of you know, their growth of revenues at this point. And of course, this also kind of you know offsets this issue and concern of recession. Um, so markets are going to be rallying higher this morning, which is going to break us out of this consolidation range that we've now been stuck in for about 50 days. Um, we've been just basically trading sideways. We're going to break out of that range today. We're going to trigger a buy signal, uh, presuming the market rally holds this morning. That's going to be the key issue. But if the market does hold this rally today, we will trigger a buy signal and break out of this, this very tight trading range that we've been in for quite some time. Now, this is going to open up the upside of the market to about 43 to 4,400 on that breakout. So this is going to be a, a really decent trading opportunity to add some exposure. We've been doing that for the last uh, few days. We've added some positions to our portfolio kind of in advance of this, uh, but this will also uh, allow us to, to increase equity exposure across the portfolio as well. Now, the one negative of this is that we are triggering a buy signal from a fairly elevated level. So that does suggest that upside may be somewhat limited here uh, you know, for a trading opportunity. Also, the market is not entirely overbought yet, but it's also not really oversold either. So it's kind of really coming out of a middle range. Uh, suggests that you could have some upside here at least for a couple of weeks. But again, we're getting pretty deviated from the 50 and the 200 day moving average as well. That's also gonna limit upside here just a bit, but still positive trading capability here to make some money in the markets. The other side of this coin, of course, remains the NASDAQ, which has been the big run this year. And of course, those top 10 stocks in the NASDAQ also in the S&P. But the NASDAQ has clearly broken out of its consolidation range. It is very overbought and on a buy signal. But again, a lot of the stocks in the NASDAQ that have been really moving have been the big leaders for the last month or so. Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, AMD, et cetera, Google, Meta. Uh, those are the stocks that have really been pulling the, the whole market higher 
uh, but importantly the NASDAQ. Right now there's a pretty big di divergence between the NASDAQ and the S&P and, and that normally doesn't exist for a long period of time. There's also a very big divergence between the NASDAQ market weighted index and the equal weighted index. That also suggests that you're going to have some rotational play in the market here at some point. So in other words, we may see the, the recent leaders kind of start to struggle here a bit, but see some rotation within the markets from those leaders back to maybe some of the other laggard areas of the market. So again, um, doesn't mean the market can't go higher from here, but it may be different leaders stepping in, <clears throat> excuse me, stepping in to kind of take that lead. And that really, you know, kind of gives us, you know, when you take a look at, you know, where that might be, you may want to start kind of thinking about, um, you know, small cap, mid cap stocks. The Russell 2000 has been just dead flat on its bottom ever since March the 9th. It has gone absolutely nowhere. Saw a little bit of, of buying yesterday, uh, stocks kind of, kind of money starting to flow into that mid cap section of, of the market, a little bit of that small cap as well. You've also triggered kind of a, a buy signal here also, markets not really overbought. But again, we may see some of that, you know, kind of speculative fervor in the markets kind of start to look for some of the beat up stocks that really haven't participated in the rally this year at all. And that's, that's clearly been small cap and mid cap. The other side of this, of, of course, as you know, we continue to kind of, of look at this, another area of the market that hasn't participated, again, not surprising, global economy slowing down, merging markets have, have really gone nowhere as well. So you know, when you take a look at really what's been driving the market, it's been just a very small handful of companies so far. But <clears throat> if this market is going to start to participate on a broader scale, we're going to start to kind of have a, a more of a bullish trend of the market. You would expect to see a bit of rotation now from kind of these big leaders in the markets to some of these other areas of the markets as well. So, you know, again, you know, that's not a guarantee that's going to happen right now, but this is, you know, kind of looking for some of that rotation in the markets because, you know, we take a look at companies as an example, like um, NVIDIA, which is, has been kind of all in the headlines as of late. You can't really turn on TV right now without talking about NVIDIA to some part. Um, but here's a company that had a very big drawdown during the, um, the correction last year. It is now just within a stone's throw of its all-time high. It has had a massive run from those October lows of just last year. Uh, this is a stock that has just made, it is now trading at multiple standards of deviations above, you know, its long-term moving averages. Again, now they report earnings on the tw uh, next week on the 24th. So the question is going to really be here is can, you know, this price appreciation that you've seen in NVIDIA so far, can that be sustained by equally strong growing revenue? They've missed revenue earnings over the last four earnings reports. But again, you know, when you start talking about the, the ability and, and what's going to happen, and again, more of our conversation this morning will be around AI and what that means. Uh, this is clearly the leading company in the AI space. No doubt about it. They provide the GPUs and the chips for that. And they're cutting deals with Meta and a lot of other companies to provide the stuff needed for more AI. This is going to be the story now over the next couple of years is going to be this whole AI revolution and what happens. And of course, everybody's now betting on which stocks are going to lead that way. And that's been the big driver of the market now, uh, really since the beginning of this year, but really over the last five years, also these same companies that have been moving more and more towards this. Google was already doing a Google Assistant 
five years ago that would make appointments for you and do this all through artificial intelligence. So this has been coming for a while. It's now becoming mainstream. Now you're starting to see the speculative chase of these companies. But again, you've got to be a little bit careful of what you chase here because, you know, ultimately at some point, you know, as a company like NVIDIA, the last time it was this overbought and this extended in terms of its weekly moving averages, it was a fairly decent correction <laughs> to, solve, to resolve that issue. So again, doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the company at this point. Obviously very bullish here, but it is a, a lot, not just a little bit, but a lot overbought here. So again, just be a little bit careful about where you're, where you're betting and speculating in the markets. But again, this whole issue of AI, we wrote a report on this on Tuesday, uh, talking about the AI revolution, what it means. And you know, an interesting comment yesterday from Goldman Sachs about what it means for profit margins, which is also very interesting because of the fact that we have very elevated margins now and everybody's been expecting a correction of those margins. Question is now, what if that doesn't happen because of AI? All that coming up this morning on the show. I'm your host, Science Roberts. It's The Real Investment Show. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Wow, Red, whatever are we going to do over this hot, lazy summer? Don't you worry, little darling. We're going to break our money malaise. Don't let the summer doldrums sap your money's worth. Register for our next Candid Coffee with Danny Ratcliffe and Richard Rosso with summertime tips for your idle cash. Saturday, June 3rd. It's our half-year financial checkup, breaking your money malaise this summer. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratcliffe and Rosso. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. Of course, it is uh, Thursday, and that means Michael Leibowitz joining us this morning. So talking a little bit about AI. So on Tuesday, I wrote an article talking about the AI revolution, just kind of looking at uh, a bit of history. And, you know, we go through these revolutions, you know, throughout history. And, of course, we all talk about the Industrial Revolution, and, and that started back really in the 1700s when we started going for kind of from an agrarian to an industrialized, you know, country. And, Really, the Industrial Revolution runs to current. We, there, there hasn't been a, another revolution since then, and we just kind of lump all these other things into it. But within that Industrial Revolution, you know, we've gone through space exploration, space development, these type of things. Of course, the computer, then the internet. Uh, today, it's all about AI and the next, you know, innovations, you know, that are going to happen. There's, but there are some consistencies with these revolutions that we have these big speculative booms in the markets. And then, of course, as that revolution matures, we go through very long periods of underperformance. And these, these, these speculative boom periods last about 10 to 15 years. And we're about 10 years into the AI revolution now. This, this really started about 10 years ago. And so, we, you know, we've already had a, a pretty big advance in the markets. The question is, is you know, when you talk about valuations, et cetera, what does that mean? But that's what that article covered. The one thing that we didn't touch on in that article was the impact on jobs and profit margins and these type of things. Now, profit margins have been correcting over the last year, uh, since 2022, because in 2020, 2021, of course, we shut down the economy. We laid off half the workforce, and, and then we flooded 
you know, consumers with checks, which all they they all went out and bought stuff. And, you know, this has caused this kind of big spike in, in activity, of course, and it also caused inflation, which allowed companies to charge a lot more for their product because there was limited supply. Of course, limited supply, higher prices. That's what happens. That's how you get inflation. We have a lot of demand. And that created huge profit margins for these companies. We had a huge spike in profit margins to levels that are unsustainable um, based on, you know, normal activity. So, and so you know, there's, there's only so much profit that a company can generate based on labor expenses and costs, based on normal economic growth and normal spending and those type of things. So as we, we return to a more normal level of economic activity, those profit margins are going to decline. And in fact, um, over the last two years, we've now reduced corporate profit margins by about 100 basis points. Those have come down. And we're back now to about where we were in 2019. So we, we have corrected those profit margins some. But one of the interesting aspects of AI, of course, is the potential for productivity increases. And there was an interesting report out talking, it was from Goldman Sachs, talking about how that when you take a look at corporate profits, we could see corporate profits increase by up to 400 basis points over the next decade because of AI and what it can do in terms of productivity and less employment. And, of course, there was you know recent studies talking about how AI could basically eliminate 300 million jobs worldwide because of the ability to replace a job with a human. So, for instance, we've got Mike you know, sitting right here, you know, uh, you know, in his studio talking to us this morning. And, you know, it might not really be Mike. It could actually be a deep fake that looks like Mike that is all AI. And that's one of the big things that, that are going to be a challenge. Mike, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I thought you were going to fire me on the spot. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm just an AI now. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it is interesting, right? Because, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing with artificial intelligence what you know, what all the possibilities are, right? And, and literally, you, you can already do this today, is that you can take a, an image of someone and use artificial intelligence. It'll mimic their voice. It'll, it'll you know, right. manipulate the graphic. And you'll think it's that person <laughs> that, you know, is actually talking to you. And there's a, there's a whole software program out right now that you can create videos for your YouTube channel that you basically have ChatGPT write the write the information, and then another AI-driven program will, you know, create a deep fake of a person reading that script, and you can publish that on YouTube as a video, and nobody will know the difference. So it's right, very amazing, right. but it requires no no people. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing it, it's scary, but it's also very exciting. Yeah, I mean this is this is what for the last six, 700 years we've been dealing with are these new, since the industrial revolution, are these new innovations, whether very mechanical or now computer oriented that eliminate jobs, but they also create jobs. I mean, look, we've had, if someone would list off all the innovations we've had over the last 200 years, someone 200 years ago would say, well, who, who's gonna work? We're gonna have machines that do everything for us. Well, and the answer is that everyone pretty much works or, you know, well, the, that the depends on how rate. you that depends on how you calculate everyone. When you talk about no, 300 but, million people in the population, you got 150 million people employed. That's not really everyone. No, but quote unquote, we have full employment. 
if you want a job, you can get a job. Theoretically. Fair? Well, no, theoretically well, you can. But again, it's how we calculate jobs, right? It, it may be waiting tables. And, and I think that's the, the bigger story here is that, yeah, we, we there's always jobs available. But so far, what innovation hasn't done, it hasn't taken away the jobs of accountants, lawyers, doctors, engineers, right. architects. Those are the jobs most at risk now, right? These higher paying jobs, those are right. the ones now most at risk to AI. We haven't had that before. Right, right. It's going after white collar, not blue collar. Correct. And, you know, one of the reasons that corporate margins have generally been increasing is that they've had a lot of uh, leverage mm -hmm. over the unions, over employees in general, and they've been able to pull out more profit and pay their employees less. But like you said, Lance, it starts getting very interesting when the higher paid employees, when the executives are now somewhat replaceable or fully replaceable. The, the other fascinating thing is now every day there's AI headlines. Mm -hmm. it, it almost feels like it's just coming out of nowhere. But like you said, this has been going on for 10 years. And the, a perfect example that we all use pretty much every day is something like Waze mm -hmm. or or some of the, uh, you know, other other uh, apps that 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 show us where to go. They're constantly using real-time data to look ahead of traffic, see how cars are driving, whether they're slow or fast, recalculating routes, using intelligence to get us to where we need to go quicker. And for us, that's nice. For a company like FedEx or UPS or United Airlines, that's awesome. That, that's, that's saving them a lot of money, increasing their profit margins. So, so, Yes, we, you know, there's reason to be concerned, but I think there's more reason to be excited about what AI brings. And yeah, we're going to have some very difficult issues as a country, as a world, about how do you, how do you distribute profits when you need less workers? How do you ensure that some of these companies that could run with very few employees and make a ton of money? How do you distribute profits? And I don't I don't have the answer. Well, I think and, but see, this is where I think people are missing the, the bigger picture of this, right? What you're assuming is is that I can run my business and I'm gonna have a lot bigger profit margins because I'm gonna have fewer employees, right? Right. So that's the theory. Well, the problem is is if I have less employees, that means I have less people working, which are generating a income. And right. if I have three hundred million people worldwide generating less income, and they're not buying as much because they have less income because they're working lower payer jobs or whatever it is, then where are my revenues going to come from? Good point. Good I may, point. I may, I may have good profit margins. I may be able to take my profit margin from 20% <laughs> to 50%, but if I only have half the amount of revenue, you know, am I making the same amount of money? Right. Right. And you know, what's easy to see right now is how AI can replace jobs what's harder to see or what new jobs will come into place. Well, let's, and, think, let's think about that for a second, okay? I think that's a great question. Right. So AI is going to theoretically replace jobs in accounting, engineering, um, doctors, because obviously we can use, we, once we begin to combine AI with robotics, there's basically no limit to what job can be replaced. Bricklayers, welders, it, they're all at risk. Right. Everything One, but portfolio managers. Nope. They're definitely those are <laughs> going to be the first ones to go. Trust me. Um, but, 
you know this the you know you 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 know financial advisory services though easily right. replaceable with AI. Um, you know this this is going to be a this is going to really change a lot of businesses. Okay, so. The theory is always, well, you know, you got to have somebody to maintain the AI, right? So everybody's going to become programmers, and we're all going to program AI. That's going to be the new thing. The problem with AI is, is that you can already ask ChatGPT to write code for whatever it is you want to do. So how long is it before AI just programs the AI for you? Right? right. So what jobs will you create that aren't needed right by ai in in terms of its dependency so now you have to go back to to you know theoretically thinking about the jobs in the economy that you need well you know ai can't replace a waiter can't replace a server can't replace you know human healthcare workers to the point until you get fully you know automated androids um you know plumbers electricians those type of things you know the, the things you need in terms of your blue collar labor you know to support you know the maintenance and structure of the economy but once you start moving up in that blue collar work a lot of that work is going to get displaced and there's there's really no reason to replace it with some other work right right yeah i actually think you you were correct earlier it's some of the white collar work the architecture the mm -hmm. accounting that that that's the accounting <laughs> is just rules-based that yeah. that seems very easy to replace yeah so you and know, so, this is the blue collar, white collar problem. It is. But, you know, I, I think this whole idea that you're going to have this boom in profits may be, you know, maybe a little bit over anticipated when you think about what happens to wages and income, which is what derives the revenue for these companies. And look, this is all speculative. Mike, Mike and I don't know the answer. But, you know, when you just start thinking about this logically, and look at wage growth, obviously, over the last 15, 20 years since the boom of the Internet, more automation and everything's easier. You know, think about wage growth and what has actually happened to wage growth. And you know, we complain about this all the time, but there's no need to increase wages. It may just get worse. Be right back after the break. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com show this morning so as i said earlier at the open walmart announced earnings today beating estimates and revenues by a fairly wide margin also target doing the same thing so the big question is um you know what does that mean for the economy there's you know we've been hearing for months now recessions coming a recessions coming a recessions company coming yet consumers keep going out spending more money yeah they're doing it on a debt you know that's for sure we've seen increases in their credit card spending but nonetheless as uh, the old saying goes never bet against the american consumer but you know retail sales continue to come in fairly strong here as and, and again we just saw the retail sales report which came in kind of in line with expectations as well no signs of you know recessionary impact there either so the big question is 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 a recession coming i guess right um you know, this market certainly has been performing a lot better ever since the October lows. We've been trading in a fairly bullish, uh, you know, range in the markets. We've been having higher highs and higher lows today. We're going to be breaking out to a new a new set of higher highs, potentially, if this if this market rally this morning holds. 
But uh, again, you know, from the stock market's viewpoint, we're in pretty bullish bullish mode right now and which certainly suggests that if the market is indeed a leading indicator of the economy that the economy has also troughed and is beginning to improve earnings troughed in the fourth quarter they improved in the first quarter of this year so we've seen a temporary trough in earnings is that going to stick well we're going to find out but there's certainly a lot of anecdotal evidence that is now lining up to suggest that the bottom of the market is in and that a recession is potentially not in the near term, right? Could it be further out? Absolutely. Um, you know, you're always going to have a recession at some point. The question is always, what's the trigger to cause it? But certainly right now, the market is is acting a lot more bullishly at the moment. And again, you know, right now, a lot of it is AI. We were talking about this in the, in the last segment. You know, there's going to be a lot of money made on the AI trade. Um, it is, you know, really becoming mainstream right now. And when it first gets to be mainstream news, uh, a lot of people are going to jump in to buy everything related to AI. And there's going to be a lot of companies that will, will make a lot of money from this. And so it's certainly something you want to pay attention to. But, uh, but again, the, the, the big question becomes a recession. Because if you have a recession, that's obviously going to impact earnings. It's going to impact profit margins. And markets are still expensive. We're trading above 30 times earnings right now. So markets are still expensive on a valuation basis. And so if you do have a recession... Right. That is going to cause earnings to contract and, and ultimately, you know, lower asset prices. So what is it? Right. Is the market right? Is the economy right? Mike, it's a big challenge, isn't it? It is. And, uh, you know, this week in our weekly commentaries, we focused on Home Depot on Tuesday, Target on Wednesday. And we'll talk about Walmart in uh, tomorrow's commentary. And the purpose is because they are three big retail uh stores and they they tell us a lot about the health of the consumer amazon we won't get for another month uh so that's another big one but we're gonna have to wait at least a few weeks for that one so so it's really interesting if you look at their earnings basically what their earnings were for the last quarter what they expect and what we what we found in general is that their earnings were okay their sales were flat Home Depot sales were actually lower year over year. Target was flat and Walmart was up uh, two to three percent. Now, what makes that number trickier is that inflation over the last year has been running six, seven percent. So taking stripping out inflation, they all saw sales decline. And we see that with retail sales too. real retail size, re real. So excluding <laughs> real, real, right, excluding right. inflation. Retail sales have been down for on a year over year basis for 12 months in a row. The last time we had that was 2008-9. So inflation masks a lot of it doesn't mask. It, it skews a lot of economic data. And we've gone 30 years without real inflation. So it's something that none of us have had to consider. It's not a you know, it's not the way we're used to looking at data. If we in the past, if we saw a company sales were up eight percent, we'd be like, that's great. They must be gaining market share. They got a new product trying to figure out why they're doing well. But in reality, it can all be from inflation. But what we did learn from Target and Walmart, which I've 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 quickly scanned through, I haven't read it fully is that if you remember a year ago, they had big inventory problems and both mm -hmm. stocks got hit pretty hard this time last year. Yep. It seems like they've done a decent job of working through the inventory. 
They don't have nearly as deep discounts as they were running last year. They're much leaner and in a better position. Even if we do have a recession, their inventory overhang is nothing like what it was like a year ago. So, you know, these companies have been able to put themselves, some of them at least, have been able to put themselves in a better position. Inflation, The other, another big thing is inflation, which was helping them. So a company like Walmart or Target could see 5% inflation for the stuff they bought and pass it on at 8%. So they could help their margins, help their profits, benefit from inflation. As If you look at the forward guidance for Home Depot and Target, again, I haven't got to Walmart yet, and, and I know they're a different story, but Target and Home Depot are warning that the consumer's weaker. They're basically saying that they can't pass on higher prices like they could over the past year. So so they're warning of a, tar, Home Depot's warning of a recession. Uh, Target was warning of just a, a kind of slow, a consumer that that's just kind of uh, dying out here. And by dying out, I just mean not necessarily growing, just kind of flatlining. I know Walmart did beat, uh, did, I'm sorry, increase their guidance while Target Home Depot decreased their forward-looking guidance. Walmart, though, is much more of a grocery store than the other two. So I think it's a little bit important to separate out the grocery business. That's much more of a need, a staple, uh, versus what Target and Home Depot does. And then on the flip side, you can look at Home Depot. How many people did work to their houses in 2020, 2020 and 2021, even 2022, that just don't need to do that work now. How you know we there was a lumber shortage because everyone's building decks and additions and landscaping and all kinds of things. So, uh, you know, the, looking at these numbers from these big retailers can be very tricky because just because Home Depot sales were bad and they've they have they've weakened their guidance may just be a function that consumers are spending money elsewhere. They're spending it on we know they're spending it on restaurants and entertainment and travel. So, so it may just be that consumption is shifting throughout the economy. And that's, again, it's making this period here as we kind of everyone awaits a recession that may or may not come that much more difficult along with the inflationary effects on everything. Yeah. Well, you know, Home Depot was up sharply yesterday and recovered, you know, it had a it was down, you know, about two and a half percent on its right. earnings report. It completely recovered all of that the next day. So it looks like most of the the bad news has been priced into Home Depot at this point, Lowe's as well. You know, very interesting, Walmart's trading near its all-time highs. Um, so despite the fact that there's been concerns about the retail consumer, you know, all along, Walmart has been doing really well, you know, ever since the 2020 lows. It's it's again, it's trading at all near, near just just a smidge below its all-time highs. Target is a different story there. Um, you know, it's been basing, consolidating. It looks like it's getting ready to start, you know, maybe potentially a move higher and target as well. So, you know, it is interesting, though, we, you know, we keep talking about and hearing all of this concern about, oh, the, rec the recession's got to come. Look at, you know, credit, you know, bank, uh, bank lending standards, which certainly has a high correlation to both earnings growth uh, for companies. Uh, obviously, if bank lending standards are tightening, then people can't get credit and they can't spend money. Um, there's also a big correlation between tighter lending standards and economic growth. Not surprising right. all this ties together. But yet it seems like, you know, the consumer's holding in here pretty well despite all this bad news. And, and the big thing that we have to con continually consider 
is that you, you made the, the right point, right? We've had negative retail sell, real retail sales for 12 months straight. Last time that happened was in 2008, 2009. That's a very long period of real retail sales being negative. They don't stay that way for a very long time because otherwise the economy is just not growing. So one of the questions that we've got to start asking is, did we go through a recession already? It just didn't register. Kind of like in 2012, we had that manufacturing recession, but the service sector of the market kind of helped, kind of held the economy above it. You know, did that? Is that what we just went through? Did we go through this period of a manufacturing recession, but the service side of the of the economy, which is larger, is, you know, it's 80 percent of the economy, is going to keep that economic data i.e. employment at a level that keeps the National Bureau of Economic Research from declaring a recession occurred. And so and, we look and, back and we go, hey, there, there, we never had a recession, but actually we did have a recession. It just didn't register. Right. And I think the key things to keep an eye on for the next three, four, five months are employment, is employment. It's every Thursday we get initial jobless claims. The yeah. first Friday of every month, the BLS reports the unemployment rate and payrolls. And I think those are now the key numbers to watch because if employment kind of just stays where it is and it doesn't really suffer too much, it may, it'll probably weaken a little. But if it doesn't suffer too much, we're not going into a recession and we're just slowly working through weakness and very, like you said, just a slow moving train mm -hmm. that the economy can stay afloat and all these sectors are able to correct as we go along. But let's not forget, Lance, that we have that we have short-term interest rates now above 5%. Mm -hmm. So all the lag effect is still out there. It's just a question of will it hit? How hard will it hit? Or when will it hit? And, you know, with these banks tightening lending standards, that's just another issue. Well, so, And then it's it, actually, just, that's actually a great stopping point right there because it's what I want to talk about after the break anyway. We've had several Fed speakers this week talking about interest rates and there seems to be a bit of a disagreement between the fed and the markets on what happens with interest rates next we'll talk about that when we come back with michael Leibowitz. don't go away news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com so welcome back to the show this morning it is uh of course thursday as we get ready to wrap up the week market's been trading very positively this week and again yesterday uh big move in the markets on this hope now that and we've been talking about this for a while this whole debt ceiling issue will get resolved it'll be put behind us um, it always gets resolved nobody wants to you know potentially not raise the debt ceiling because they all want to spend money we've talked about this and then yesterday both biden and mccarthy came out and said no we will not default on our debt in the market whew, sigh of relief got a bit of a rally here yes it'll get done despite the fact that we keep getting all this stupidity in the in the media about defaulting on debt etc but it's interesting right now that the markets and the Fed, and, and this is the, the point that Mike had started to allude to, is that you know we still have 5% interest rates right now, and that's obviously an impact on the economy, tighter lending standards. 
and yet the the yet the market is trading very bullishly and expecting a no recession type scenario. Yet his history says, and again, if we have to go back. The only thing we can rely on is history. Is that you know when you have tighter lending standards and very high interest rates, that you're going to slow economic growth. I mean, that's what the Fed wants, right? They want slower economic growth to bring down inflation. Inflation is coming down, but it's still elevated relative to where they want it to be. And the path of, of the inflation reduction is certainly not on track with meeting the Fed's goals of 2% inflation anytime soon. So I thought it's interesting, if you take a look at most fund managers, this was from B of A, most fund managers think rate cuts will begin in the first half of next year. Now, that's been moved out a little bit now. Uh, remember, we were talking earlier that if you take a look at the rate curve, they were expecting rate cuts to begin in the last half of this year. That's now been pushed out to the beginning of next year. But even, even with that, a big chunk of fund managers do think rate cuts will start in quarter three and quarter four of this year. And then the majority of them think it'll begin in the first quarter of 2024. So that's what the market's thinking, right? The Fed's going to start cutting rates soon, and that's going to be easier monetary policy. So lower rates, better for stocks, buy stocks now. That's, that's the plan. But I thought it was interesting this week, and I wanted to get Mike's opinion on this. Several Fed officials came out during the week and made speeches. Uh, Barkin said inflation remains stubbornly high and isn't easing fast enough towards the 2% target. Jefferson said little progress has been made in curbing too high inflation. And this is what we've talked about. If you take a look at core inflation, it's not coming down. It's remaining pretty sticky. Bostic cast doubt on rate cuts this year, even if there is a recession. And cash, uh, Neil Cash, cash and Carry, um, Cash Carry. <laughs> Um, he's wrong about everything. Anyway, um, he says tight monetary policy may be needed for an extended time. Now, that's that language we've known for a while, so he's not really going out on a limb here. The Fed's been saying that the whole goal is to, to hold rates higher for longer. But, Mike, it's an interesting, you know, to your point that you were making, uh, you know, in the last segment is that, you know, when we look at this idea of, the markets, which are clearly trading bullishly, markets tend to lead the economy by six to nine months, suggesting that the economy is doing going to be doing better. And again, when we take a look at a lot of the inflation data, uh, sorry, not the inflation, when we take a look at the economic data, we've had very negative economic data for a very extended period of time here. And so just from the standpoint of even sentiment, right, the, the sentiment surveys, a lot of these are so negative that it won't take much to start getting positive surveys. Just, you know, if you go from zero cells to one cell, that's very positive, right? <laughs> you know, so, right. you know, and so a lot of this data has now gotten so bad that, you know, it's just by its very nature of the economic cycle, it's about to start to improve. The question is, is will it start to improve before we actually register a recession? But, but to your point that you were making, that you know we still have these very high interest rates and it certainly doesn't seem from fed comments this week that they are in the mood to cut rates anytime soon even though the market's expecting that sooner than later right right so but i think that's the bullish case if you look at fed fund futures and i i look at i i, I put a little more weight on that than all these surveys because fed fund futures is real money people mm. are putting real money into that anyone can answer a survey any way they want but when you put money at risk, you have a stronger opinion in theory. So again, the, the, the market expects the Fed will cut rates 50 basis points this year, and then a total of 200 basis points 
by the end of 2024. That's the bullish case. The bullish case is that there is no recession, that we continue to grow at two to three percent, and that inflation comes back to two percent, and the Fed cuts rates down to, you know, three percent, give or take a little. That's that's really what's driving bullish sentiment, and, and that that argument makes sense, right? If the Fed's going to lower rates and inflation's going to get back to normal then the Fed is going to stimulate the economy with lower rates. It's going to take away that headwind of lower rates. It's going to allow companies to refinance at lower rates. It's going to open up the mortgage market, open up the refi market a little bit. And that that provides economic stimulus. The, the problem, as you said, Lance, is that the Fed is very concerned that inflation is sticky and it is sticky. And it, it there are reasons it's going to come down. But unfortunately, the reasons for it to come down are because of a slower economy. If the economy doesn't slow, it's going to be it's going to remain sticky, at which point the Fed is going to keep rates where they're at or maybe just reduce them slightly. But it's hard to see them really cutting rates when they don't have to and when they're scared to death of inflation. You know, we've talked about this before that this is the first inflation outbreak we've really had since the 70s and 80s. And the, the big lesson that, that they learned in the 70s was don't give up the fight too early because inflation tends to come in waves. You get a big jump. It goes all the way back to normal. The Fed takes their foot. You know, they take their foot off the brakes. Everything's cool. And inflation pops back up again. And I think they're scared to death of the 70s and 80s. And they quote Volcker enough that they certainly understand what happened then and the mistakes that were made during the 70s and what it finally took to squash inflation in the 80s. And I think we have a Fed that's that while everyone thinks they know what the Fed's going to do, the Fed is telling you day in and day out that that's probably not what they're going to do. And that's what makes this environment both from an economic perspective forecasting perspective so hard, but from an investment perspective, very hard. The market's pricing in a, a kind of Goldilocks scenario and the Fed's telling you don't bet on it. And, you know, the market's often right, but the Fed ultimately is the one that controls liquidity. They control the money supply. They control indirectly. They control the fate of the markets. So which one are you going to listen to? And unfortunately, we, we listen to both. Not unfortunately, but we listen to both. And we take their messages and we try to understand what they're thinking and what do we get to change. And right now you got a big divergence in these views. And again, I think it comes down to employment. Let's just see how employment comes out over the next three, four, five months. We know jobless claims have been ticking higher. For the first time, they're actually higher now than they were in 2019 before the pandemic. They're still at a, a decently low level. It's not concerning, but the trend is increasing. We haven't seen it in the, the monthly BLS data, but we do see it in things like jolts. Job openings are, are quickly normalizing. The quits rate, so how many people quit their job to find another job? That rate has come down, and that's a sign of confidence in the labor force that you're confident enough to quit your job because you know you could get another job and probably a higher paying job. So there are signs that the labor market is finally starting to normalize. Normalizing, though, isn't, isn't a bad thing. Normalizing is a good thing. What would become a bad thing is if the unemployment rate shoots higher 
un, uh, jobless claims shoot higher and net net a lot more people start getting laid off, which then affects confidence and consumption. And that's how you get into a typical recession. So, uh, you know, I, I think the market direction and economic forecasts are very heavily dependent on on employment data for the next probably through the summer, if not even into the fall. And so that's going to be, you know, again, this is going to be the the big challenge between, you know, what the markets think and what actually happens in the economy. And this is what's going to make, you know, the investing process so challenging because at some point, you know, it's easy to make a very bearish case in the markets. And you're good at that, um, you know. <laughs> you know, but you know, it's it's you know, part of this is is also anticipating what the market's looking past, and you know, are the are the markets starting to look past a lot of this stuff, saying, okay, the worst is priced in, and I need to get ahead of you know the recovery, and that's and this is and look, nobody knows that answer, and that's that's the big challenge, and it's very easy to make a very bearish case. But yet the markets are, are, are trying to tell you something very different. And that's, you know, trying to parse that out is the challenge, right? Right, right. At the end of the day, just understand what everyone is saying. What are the bulls saying? Like, you know, I spend probably more time reading the bullish case than the bearish case. Bearish case kind of makes a little more sense to me than a bullish case. Mm -hmm. But but you have to understand a bullish case. And a bullish case is that the economy will be fine. Unemployment won't rise too far. And the Fed's going to start cutting rates. Yep. And that certainly is very bullish. Uh, that, you know, the Fed adding liquidity is bullish. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to find out. You know, the good news is that, uh, like you said, Amazon is going to be announcing earnings here soon. And article out talking about, and I, and I said this on the show, I said, you know, I'm just waiting for Amazon Prime to become Amazon Pre-Prime, which is where I just think about it and it shows up. Well, Amazon AI. is now focusing on this using artificial intelligence to speed up deliveries, pre-prime, it's coming. You won't even have to think about what you want. It's just going to show up on your credit card and at your door at the same time. Oh, That'd look at awesome. that. I just got a cup of coffee. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. Uh, yep. All right. That wraps up the show for the day. Uh, Richard and Danny be here tomorrow for Financial Fitness Friday. And, of course, our latest article will be on the website tomorrow. Our newsletter this weekend going through the earnings season update now. We've got about 94% of earnings in, so we can do a pretty good shot at actually evaluating what earnings on a reported basis look like. Were they as good as the uh, everybody thinks? It's in the newsletter this weekend. Be sure you're subscribed. Free delivery. Get right to your email inbox on Saturday morning. All right, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Realinvestmentadvice.com.